Hello, I am Donna Freeman, the founder of Yoga in My School, and this is the Yoga in My School podcast. I appreciate you coming and having a listen. Thank you for your likes, your shares, your comments, and your ratings. It truly is a blessing as it helps others to find us. The purpose of the Yoga in My School podcast is to empower you to share yoga and mindfulness with youth. Through the archives and this episode in particular, I know that you will receive inspiration, knowledge, and tools to help you do so. We also are big fans of building community, and we love finding people who are doing amazing things in the kids' yoga community worldwide. So if you know of someone, or maybe you are someone, who are doing something incredible and you'd like to share it, feel free to reach out. You can email me, Donna, at yogainmyschool.com with ideas for upcoming episodes. Appreciate you listening. Have a wonderful day, and enjoy this episode. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, my name is Donna Freeman, the founder of yogainmyschool.com. And we are just finishing our series of Reflections 2010 interviews. This series has taken the entire month of December and has involved 12 amazing yogis from pretty much a variety of backgrounds and expertise. We started on December the 1st with Sadie Nardini, and she kicked us off in her regular rock star way. From there, we talked with Karen Mason Miller. And she provided a Zen guide to the holidays. And Karen is an author of a few books, um, Hand Wash Cold being one of them. And she's an absolutely amazing individual. From there, we contacted Elena Brower, um, Anusara instructor and uh, New York City yogi. Then um, we chatted with Bob Weisenberg. And Bob is the new um, Elephant Journal yoga editor. Talked about where he was going to be taking Elephant Journal yoga um, in the coming year. Uh, next was Esther Eckhart, um, Ireland's yogi, but now she's moving back uh, to Holland and a YouTube sensation, so definitely check her out there. Uh, Cora Wen visited us and helped us to bridge the east-west gap, followed by the beautiful Catherine Budig um, and uh, the highlights from her year. Next, we had Faith Hunter, and uh, she talked about being spiritually fly and how yoga helps us to connect with our inner self. And then the yoga duo of Brock and Krista Cahill, and they've had an incredible year, so definitely check out that interview. Um, following Brock and Krista, we talk, chatted with Allie Hamilton, the founder of Yogi's Anonymous, and she talked about um, live and on-demand uh, videos from her yoga studio and how that has changed the yoga experience there. Um, our last interview that we had earlier this week was with um, founder of Anusara Yoga, John Friend. And he gave us a beautiful message for the coming year and talked about his, uh, his uh, insights from his world tours and what we can expect in, the, in 2011 from him. Today, we are pleased to have as our guest Waylon Lewis. Waylon, how are you? Oh, I'm very well, Donna. <laughs> Liar, I know you're sick. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah, I'm actually in the bathtub, um, uh, very under the weather, and we're having quite a big blizzard here in Boulder today. 
Well, that's a, um, I'm glad that you were able to join us, um, yeah. and thank you thank for you. being so dedicated. Well, thank you for your patience, yeah. Um, so tell us a little bit about the journey that has kind of brought you to where you are today, being the editor of Elephant Journal, having you know a talk show, uh, and everything that you do. Tell us a little bit about how you got here. Well, um, <clears throat> uh, yeah, it's sort of, I guess, a long story, at least for myself. It feels very long. Um, my, uh, to go way back, my parents, um, my dad was from New York and he was Jewish, and my mom was a wasp from L.A., and they came together in Jackson Hole, Wyoming in 1972 for a Buddhist seminar by Chukim Trungpa Rinpoche, um, and... Um, and then they moved to Boulder together. So I was born in the first summer of Naropa University, which some of you may have heard of, and uh, grew up in the Buddhist community. So I loved to write from the beginning and wanted to find a way to make that sustainable. Um, so when I was 12, I was thought I would become a baseball journalist, that being my passion at the time. And, you know, eventually that evolved into... Um, you know, writing for Shambhala Sun and various things. And when, uh, I guess about eight years ago, I wound up kind of meeting a, a gentleman, Travis Robinson, who was starting a local yoga magazine um, called Yoga in the Rockies. So the vision of that was basically to distribute a free yoga magazine in Boulder and um, eventually in all of the Rocky Mountains um, that would be distributed in yoga studios. So... I wound up, you know, partnering with him, um, and he wound up leaving almost immediately. Um, he was, I always like to say, he was a little bit smarter than me. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, he he saw very quickly that, you know, he wouldn't be able to sort of raise a family, and it, it, it would take years for it to make any money. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So um, after he left, I pretty quickly changed the name. I didn't really like Yoga in the Rockies. Uh, my own writers couldn't remember the name. They always said, oh, I love your yoga journal. You know, yoga journal being obviously the, the mothership and the, the reference point of all sort of yoga journalism. Um, so I changed the name to Yoga Rocky. It just shortened it a little bit. Didn't work. Um, and then I changed it to Elephant after a lot of thought. Um, uh, I don't know how interesting that is or why, but... Um, you know, basically there's some connection with the yoga community. It's a sacred animal in, um, you know, in the East generally, in Buddhism, in Hinduism. There's obviously Lord Ganesh. And for myself personally, uh, elephant is a, a word that didn't tie me down to any one thing. I wanted to have a magazine about everything that yoga people, uh, the yoga community cared about instead of a magazine about yoga. So mm-hmm. obviously, yeah, the yoga community... Um, as in your case, cares about children or cares about, you know, uh, mindfulness or cares about organics or cares about politics, cares about anything, life. So um, then a very boring sort of six years ensued, very exciting and boring at the same time. Um, Just had my head down and worked hard and grew Elephant as a magazine, um, you know, about 10% every issue every year. Um, with a couple of exceptions that did better or worse. And, um, and then we finally went national. Um, 
after four years and sold really well. Um, the problem was uh, we were, I was becoming more and more and more environmentally passionate as I learned more. And the magazine industry is, is really inefficient um, and from an eco point of view, really hypocritical generally. Um, if, if you have any kind of environmental focus, um, you only sell three out of 10 copies, maybe two out of 10 copies, maybe four out of 10 copies if you. Yeah. Oh, it sounds like we have dropped his call. Hopefully he will call back and we'll be able to continue telling us about the uh, the history of Elephant Journal because I know at the where he was in his uh, in his recitation, it gets quite interesting with how he transferred over to make it into a uh, uh, an online magazine. So hopefully he'll call in right away. It's one of these lovely things that we get to deal with with live interviews is sometimes there are technical difficulties in the background here. Um, but in the meantime, I want to encourage you to visit uh, Elephant Journal. It's a fabulous website um, and lots of opinions, lots of different viewpoints on environmentalism, on politics, on um, living living life the way that you want to live it. And the one lovely thing about Elephant Journal that I I find uh, completely engaging is that um, each article is written from the viewpoint of the author of the article. It's not um, terribly edited. Uh, Wayland doesn't get in there and, and put his stamp on things. But it's very raw, very real. And... Uh, and in that way, you can have some really good discussions happening. And whether you agree or disagree or agree to disagree, um, you're perfectly welcome on the website. And so it's kind of an interesting forum for conversation in the yoga community and and in the world. So, again, we're still having some challenges here. Um, every now and again, this will happen. And, uh, and that's all we can do is just to, to go with it. Um, if you have been paying attention to the other interviews that we've been having, um, I would love to have your feedback because um, that lets me know what you've enjoyed, uh, what you didn't enjoy, uh, and helps me to form formulate shows in the coming um, year and and onward. And so if you have some time, I'd really appreciate anyone going to um, our iTunes feed and giving us a star rating or, and a review there. That would be so helpful for me. It would also help to promote um, this show um, to a wider audience as um, feedback is given. And in addition, if you, uh, if you want to leave comments um, under these interviews and telling uh, potential guests I know in the new year we've got some great guests lined up. Um, our next show following this will it's actually next Monday, and it's with Sarah Harrington, and we're going to talk about yoga for girls, um, for teen and tween girls, and uh, the importance that it is for that um, very susceptible uh, population as they go through a crisis in confidence and those type of things. So you can tune in for that on Monday. Um, and then after that, uh, we're looking at having... Christy Brock join us, and Christy Brock is the founder of Yoga Minded. And again, we're going to be talking about yoga for teens and and the benefits that it brings to them. As there's not a lot of information out there for yoga for teenagers. There's some for babies, some for kids, uh, and lots for adults, but teens are this little uh, population group that is, is uh, often neglected. 
And then coming up for Chinese New Year, Cora Wen is going to come back on the show and chat about uh, the transition from Year of the Tiger to Year of the Rabbit. And I'm really looking forward to that because I love uh, Chinese New Year. I lived in the Orient for a number of years, and uh, Chinese New Year was always a big celebration. And, and to this day, we always get together with friends to, to ring it in. Uh, and then uh, February, we'll also have an I Heart Yoga Dork uh, episode where the founder of Yoga Dork will join us and we'll talk about uh, how it is, um, how Yoga Dork has grown and how they influence the, uh, the yoga community and, uh, and that type of thing. So those are some shows that we have coming up. If you want to see other people on this show, please let me know. Uh, I know I've got lots of ideas and suggestions. Um, Hopefully we're going to get Ian Flynn uh, Finn on here talking about his new Blissology project. Um, And I know that in April, April is uh, National Autism Month, and so we will be hosting a number of interviews uh, specific to autism and how yoga assists with um, that diagnosis and with those uh, uh, with children especially who um, have autism as well as their caregivers how yoga can assist and support caregivers for individuals with autism spectrum disorders so it looks like Waylon has not been able to call back in I don't know uh, what's happening on his end um, so we may actually have to reschedule if he can't can't get back online with us and and be able to hear the rest of his his story and where Elephant Journal is coming and also the uh, the thrilling things that are scheduled for the Walk the Talk show with Waylon Lewis, which will uh, is scheduled to recommence in February of 2011. I know that uh, I I appreciate his work and his efforts and the the amount of time that he's living you know hand to mouth to uh, put together. Uh, Elephant Journal, and the way that he supports the community in in um, giving us a voice. I um, now myself, some of the reflections that I've had over this past year have uh, have been highlighted throughout this entire Reflections 2010 series. It's uh, been interesting as I've asked each guest to contemplate uh, what the past year has meant to them. And and in so doing, uh, it has provided me an opportunity as well to think back upon the highs and the lows and the things I have learned and where I want my life to be going. And I hope it has done the same for you, that it has given you a moment, a, uh, a little bit of insight into who you are and where you are going uh, it was interesting when I first contacted Karen Mazin Miller. She said, "Well, Zen Buddhism is more about the here and now, and, and accepting that for what it is." And I, I appreciate that. I love that we need to accept uh, the beauty of the moment, um, whether it's hardship or joy or bliss or pain, and to just be with that. But I also love the idea of, of contemplating where I've come from and seeing the growth, seeing the steps I've made, the conscious efforts, the intentions that became reality. And I think that is an essential aspect of personal growth and self-reflection. And as we contemplate 
what we've where we've come from, where we remember and who we are, then we are able to to step forward and to go a little bit further than was originally planned to create a vision and and take focused action to become all that we can truly be and then to celebrate uh, new and amazing successes. I encourage you to to take the time to to reflect to uh, enjoy your own reflections 2010 and to let it become part of your life as you um, integrate the 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 goals that you've had and the growth that you've undertook and as you do that that it truly becomes a part of who you are and that you are able to go forward with full knowledge and full intent uh, and then as you do that, to develop a plan of where you're going to go, to um, to realistically um, set some goals that, that mean something to you, that resonate with you on a profound uh, level. And by doing so, then you can break them down into measurable specific sets and and achieve more than you would ever imagine. Uh, as we focus on the new year, I think that uh, many of us set um, New Year's resolutions and they last for, you know, <laughs> a couple of moments, uh, maybe, you know, half the day or if we're really, really dedicated, half the week. Um, but often by the middle of January, the end of January, we have shelves those resolutions and and we don't know where to go but i think that if we reflect upon our year then we can truly strive toward the future that we want to have and waylon you're back with us i am i am i uh i apologize yet again my phone just uh kicked out so it's back that's what happened the joy of a live yeah. show so you were right in, yeah. right where you switched from going being a paper product to paperless. Okay. That's yeah, I can see you on. <laughs> yeah, after my phone died, I, I told my entire life story, and it went on for about 45 minutes. So you're, you'll be glad you missed okay. it. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I was saying probably I was talking to my staff about going online. Yes. Is that where we were? Yeah, you, um, you went, yes. You went from being a paper publication to taking it 100% internet. Right. So about two years ago, I met with my staff and I said, you know, we've discussed this for weeks, if not a month or two. Um, I've decided to go online. Um, and, uh, you know, gave up the office and gave up the staff and they were very supportive, which was sweet. Um, and considering they were all losing jobs and, um, you know, put my house on the market and kind of just prepared for two years of uh, basically starting a new business. I had some connections and I had some reputation, um, you know, some brand branding had happened, but um, really I lost all my advertisers. A couple stayed and paid a hundred dollars a month, which was very sweet since I really had no traffic. Um, even they, you know, into the ad agreement, uh, you know, wanted to know that they'd get their money back if I went out of business. So it was, 
you know, the airplane was sort of running out of fuel and flying low over the forest kind of thing. Um, and yeah, I just blogged and blogged and blogged and kind of got better and, and learned, um, you know, it's really its own art form in terms of journalism. It's very different than, um, the magazine. Um, yeah. we probably publish 10 times the amount of content, if not a hundred or 200 times, we probably publish 40 articles, uh, every quarter as a magazine that would be tightly edited down to the word. Um, and selected, obviously, for quality and for mix um, of content. And now we publish, you know, probably 10 a day. Um, and I want to publish a lot more than that. I want to publish, you know, a couple hundred a day. Um, <clears throat> so I I started blogging for Huffington Post. Um, I, uh, I basically lost all my staff. One assistant stayed on, um, really, a, on volunteer level for months at a time. Um, which was incredibly helpful, Lindsay Block, and she's still with me, um, getting paid again, I'm glad to say. Um, and, yeah, just grew and grew, and, and I I sort of told this little story about, you know, there's a zen, you know, when I was talking to myself alone after my phone died just now, I was saying um, that there's the zen con, if a tree falls in a forest, does anyone hear it? I don't know if I already said this. Um, no. Yeah, so... In new media, the answer is definitely no. You can put a great article out, and if you don't mm-hmm. promote it in social media and uh, through search engine optimization with Google and the other search engines, um, no, almost no one will read it. Um, yeah. So, you know, often a new author will put up a great article with a great title and great content, great photo, and they'll get 30, 30 views total. Um, and they'll say, you know, what's wrong? What's happening? And I, and I just say, you know, did you email it to anybody? Did you put it on your Facebook page? Did you uh, tweet it? Um, and obviously, you know, I know the answer is no. Um, so, you know, I really just learned sort of the basic skill set of all this. And, and the great thing is, um, you know, although there are many great websites that started well before Elephant, um, you know, back in the 90s even, uh, Tree Hugger, which I really look up to in many ways, started in 2002. Um, Twitter and, and Facebook as a, as a medium for getting news and information and entertainment was really just starting a couple of years ago. Um, so I was learning with everybody, and last year, uh, you know, we managed to grow to 100,000 unique viewers um, a month, um, exactly one year ago, and um, then we won nationally uh number one for twitter uh content green environmental content on twitter in 2010 in the shorty awards and that kind of put us on the map and for the first time you know we got a little bit of advertising support um mm-hmm. but really not enough to hire an editor which as a journalist you know it's it's painful to see you know new media is wonderful in a lot of ways it's very democratic. Anyone can hit publish instead of having to go through an agent and, you know, dream of writing a book someday. You can do it for free today and reach an international audience, and it's relatively green. Um, but uh, the downside is that, you know, there's a lot of self-promotional content. There's a lot of advertorial. Um, there's a lot of typos. There's a lot of, um, you know, it tends to get tabloidy. And Elephant, of mm-hmm. course, has to deal with that as much as anyone. Um, so uh, I really can't wait until we can hire an editor and kind of raise the bar. Um, you know, certainly my goal is to mm-hmm. sort of combine 
quality old school journalistic integrity and ethics with the new media kind of humor and um you know gawker style journalism so combine some sort of quality and some sort of topical rowdiness you know yeah so yeah and this year we we made it we're now at you know above 300,000 unique viewers and um a month according to Google Analytics um and you know our Facebook page is by far our biggest source for traffic um Google has really been eclipsed by Facebook this year and um you know on a business or technical level that's sort of where we're at um about one month ago I I launched a paywall which everyone had told me not to do forever um and I called it the pay gate making it sound a little less solid I basically targeted yeah I basically targeted the 5% of our readers who um read a ton of articles every day um just psychologically I read nytimes.com every day a ton and if they and I always wish they charge me I feel bad for not supporting that kind of quality journalism and uh they're going to launch their paywall in January I think um so I just figured you know the people who read a ton of elephant will generally be more willing to pay a very low amount $1 a month yeah, I was going to say, it's a dollar a month. <laughs> really, yeah. like, that's, an yeah. entire year of Elephant Journal is less than one yoga class. So. <laughs> right. I love it. I love it. I should have you write our copy. Um, so, you know, but, I mean, people are really not used to paying anything for reading online, so we still have had some upset people. But, you know, mm-hmm. generally I say, hey, look, you know, if you want to read more, you can come back tomorrow and read another three articles for free, or you can pay $1 a month. And it's really hard, to, as you just pointed out, to get upset about paying $1 a month. So, you know, it, it's radically changed our finances in one month. We're, we're probably, um, you know, making more off that than we, or as much as off that as we ever have um, in the last two years. So I'm hopeful that I'll be able to hire, it'll be enough to hire an editor and, you know, kind of improve the quality. Um, I've had some mentors, including like Cora Wen. Um, who have been upset with me in a very kind of kind and um, patient way from time to time about our content. And, uh, you know, I I really, the mission of Elephant is to bring together those working and playing to create enlightened society. The mission of Elephant is is not, you know, to put out, uh, you know, stupid blogs that are going to get a ton of traffic. Um, Traffic does equal, you know, does mean that you're reaching readers and we we do want to do that and we need to do that but um, if we're not reaching them with any kind of content that can change their lives or the world for the better you know it's just sort of counterproductive mm-hmm. yeah so that's probably where we're where we're at where you're at now yeah. I know I, I want to keep going with this because you did cut out for a while and um, yeah. and so what's going to happen is anyone who's listening live it's going to get cut off in a couple of minutes. But if you're listening to the the feed on yogainmyschool.com, then just continue listening, and we're going to keep talking to Waylon because he's an interesting boy. All right. <laughs> yeah, I'm so sorry about I told my entire story the first time. Maybe it was more eloquent, but I looked down, and my phone was off, and I was talking to myself in my bathtub. So there you go. <laughs> okay, that's a great picture. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Um before we get back into some of this, oh, I actually wanted to ask you about uh, uh, something that Paul Hawkins once said on one of your interviews. It said, 
he said to you, the secret of your success, meaning Elephant Journal, is that you don't have money. <laughs> it yeah. makes you creative, keeps you grounded. How do you feel about something like that? Well, um, uh, I mean, I at the time, you know, we were probably four years old as a magazine, and we didn't have any money. We did have close to ten staff. Um, and I think what he meant, which is similar to what my Buddhist teacher, Chukam Trungpa, said, is that when you don't have any money, you have um, no insulation from reality, is how Trungpa Rinpoche put it. So you, mm. it makes you incredibly, um, you're sort of naked, uh, and you, it makes you incredibly um, sensitive to the effect of your own actions. When you have money, you can, you know, go to whatever restaurant and order whatever appetizer and whatever bottle of wine and who cares um, on some level. Um, when you don't have money, you know, you, you can't afford to make very many mistakes. I always said, you know, I had a lot of success as a relatively small uh, business as an entrepreneur growing elephant 10% every issue. But I always remember I said I was I was always two mistakes away from going out of business. Like I could afford mm -hmm. to make one mistake, um, which I did many, many, many times. But if I made two in a row, I'd be out. Um, and that was probably mm -hmm. a slight exaggeration. But um, the, the, the downside of, of what Paul Hawken, who's a, an amazing um, writer and uh, teacher, and, and I encourage people to check him out. I have an interview on Elephant of him. Um, and he gave, gave one of the best commencement speeches I've ever heard. That's also on elephant. Um, is what Buddhists would call poverty mentality. There's none of us should have any attraction to being poor um, as some sort of romantic thing. Um, you know, it's it's good for anyone who's trying to benefit the world. It's good for us to have resources to do so. Um, I think his point was simply that. Um, you know, he's a businessman and he's written a lot of business books and, and uh, it makes you smarter and sharper. And my hope is that as Elephant starts to make um, money and becomes sustainable and sustainable yeah. being a, a key word for us um, is that we'll continue to be smart and not just throw money after um, kind of silly or irrelevant things, but spend it on on things that will, you know, help us fulfill our mission, which really is urgent. I mean, from an environmental point of view, the world needs a wake-up call really quickly, and it needs that wake-up call, obviously, in a nonpartisan way. Um, from a yoga point of view, I mean, as you know better than anyone, Donna, um, you know, yoga can benefit anybody of any age, of any kind of, uh, you know, income level. Um, mm -hmm. From my point of view, meditation, meditating for two minutes in the morning and the evening is what keeps me sane. And that's saying a lot because I'm pretty frenetic and um, self-involved. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of things that Elephant hopefully can offer in a, you know, and help get out there. And there's obviously a lot of other media organizations and nonprofits and people working to do the same thing. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, you know I like that it keeps you creative because when you don't have money, you gotta find yeah. really interesting ways to do what you want to do. Yeah, and you know I mean there's, I think not having money is actually really good business at least in the beginning. I mean, if your mission is for benefit um, and people know you don't have much money, I mean, my 
designers of the magazine early on always gave me a deal. You know, there's so much community support. This talk show that we've been doing off and on for years um, was sort of had wildly enthusiastic support. Um, not because, you know, I was a great talk show host, really, but because, um, you know, it was just community and it felt like a real, Elephant felt like a real community cause, not uh, not some sort of corporate thing from above, you know, trying mm-hmm. to take advantage of a demographic. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So where do you see Elephant Journal being in five years? Uh, five years? Um, that's plenty of time. Yeah, five-year um, plan. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't really see any any limit for Elephant. I mean, I've been working pretty closely with Huffington Post um, uh, for a couple of years, and I've seen how they operate. And, you know, Ariana Huffington is definitely one of my idols. Um, what she's done to sort of pioneer new media journalism is unbelievable. At the same time, I, you know, do have a foot in the old media world and do wish that there was more editing and more um, original content and, uh, you know, that writers would get paid. Um, You know, like my dad is a great journalist and editor and his father was, and, you know, um, I know so many journalists who are more or less out of work now. Um, Mm -hmm. It's like an entire, like in Halifax, where my mom lives in Nova Scotia, um, because of overfishing and uh, all the cod are gone, and there's yeah. for a couple of decades there's been hundreds and hundreds of fishermen just literally wandering around the streets, nothing to do, sort of with this shocked look in their eyes. And you know, of course, many have become alcoholic, and it's really sad. And in a maybe less dramatic way, uh, all over the U.S. and perhaps the world, there's out of work journalists and the kind of care and craftsmanship and ethics that they put into everything they write, um, backing up their sources and, um, is something that I definitely rarely, rarely see on elephant. And when I do see it, um, you know, it's delightful and it adds a lot, um, to the reader's trust and experience. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, in five years, I definitely think, you know, um, I think we're going to be invited to the white house correspondence dinner. I think, <laughs> Not long um, ago, we got there. <laughs> yeah, I think we'll be there in a couple years, really. Um, I, I think, you know, I, I really want, you know, like when all the Islamophobia was going on and was in the news, um, John, I, I think sort of like the Simon Garfunkel so- song, uh, I think the nation's eyes, sort of lonely eyes, turned to John Stewart on some level, which mm-hmm. is kind of funny, appropriately, and also kind of sad. As John Stewart himself always points out, he says, you know, my show is preceded by a show about puppets. You know, I'm a comic. Um, yeah. But he, you know, having qual- having people really represent sort of a force of true patriotism, you know, to our, our ideals as Americans of freedom and respect for all, um, and having a sort of voice of sanity out there, there aren't enough of them. And... Um, most voices out there are, are becoming partisan because that's where the money is. Fox is uh, making so much money and uh, is so good at what they do. And, you know, MSNBC and others have tried to imitate less successfully um, in their own ways. Uh, my hope is that Ellison will have more and more Republican writers um, and that we'll have, um, you know, really be able to bring people together. The name Ellison fundamentally is inspired by that 
aphorism about the blind men and the elephant where they're, yeah. I, I don't know if you know that one. Yeah. So they're. Yeah, the trunk, the tail, the leg, the ear. Yeah, and they all are holding a different part of the elephant. They all think it's a different animal or, um, you know, someone's holding the leg and they think it's a tree. Someone's holding the tusk and they think it's a tiger because it's sharp. Um, and if they could open their eyes and, and see, you know, they would know it's the same thing. And I feel like, you know, if we can become a forum for people to come together and kind of really dialogue, which is what me- new media web 2.0 is so good at with the comments and the, um, uh, you know, finding a way to do that respectfully instead of um, insultingly and anonymously, uh, you know, that that's sort of our mission. And, I really, I think it'll take a couple of years. I think this year we're going to reach, uh, um, I, I mean, frankly, I have no idea. But, you know, I, I think we can reach close to a million unique viewers a month um, if we just tr- continue our current trajectory. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the year after that, if we can reach three million, we're, we're among sort of first-tier media enterprises in terms of being a, yeah. a voice uh, that can be heard. And... Um, yeah, so uh, that's really that's really my goal in life is, you know, it isn't particularly money, it isn't particularly fame, it's really influence. Um, and if and if Elephant can be not just my influence, if Elephant, all of Elephant's writers can really have a platform for putting out respectful dialogue about important and fun issues, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be able to die happy in five years. <laughs> Wink, well, we hope you're going to last a little bit longer than that. Yeah. You're obviously well, quite sick. Well, at least sick. take a vacation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. At least I'll take a meditation routine. There you go. Uh, so we're going to switch and do two minutes with Waylon Lewis. Okay? You good? I'm good. All right. So, uh, your favorite holiday? My favorite holiday is easily... Well, after my birthday, um, is easily uh, Children's Day, which is maybe a lesser-known one, but in the Buddhist tradition, it's on the winter solstice on December 21st. Great. Um, Los Angeles or New York? Uh, Well, I mean, everyone always says New York, I assume. Um, uh, So, yeah, I'll have to say New York. (laughs) I was going to say, just to be contrary, you're going to say L.A. Yeah. Well, my two sides of my family are from both cities, so it's a tough one. There you go. I'm going to split you down the middle. Your favorite karaoke song? Um, Well, I've performed a lot of bad karaoke in my time. Probably the worst of all time was when I did Ricky Martin's La Vida Loca. (laughs) They should have taken a YouTube video of that. Yeah, thank God. No one did. Yeah. All right. What is your favorite dessert? Um, Eaton's Mess. Eaton Mess. It's uh, it's like something out of Harry Potter. It's a huge pile of sort of uh, heavy whipped cream with fruit and stuff in it that's served at the kitchen in Boulder. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Everybody needs to head off to the kitchen and, and get some more. Yeah. I'm sure it's also served at Eaton itself. Okay. Sweet or savory? If you had to grab something um, for snacks. Um, savory. Do you believe in miracles? Uh, 
Not not particularly. Yeah, we have the phrase auspicious coincidence where if you're doing if you're really awake and you're doing everything kind of properly and with joy and and with the right intention then things just come together and happen. Auspicious coincidence. But miracles maybe maybe not so much. All right. The name of the person that you had your first crush on. Oh my god. Um Anna Banana. Anna Banana. <laughs> what were you yeah. liking, great too? <laughs> that was uh, that was. I started early. I think that was kindergarten, and we <laughs> we definitely we played doctor and all that. You know. <laughs> all right, and last one. Um, your favorite movie star uh, of all time or now? All time. All time. Wow. Um, hmm. I would probably have to say. I'd probably have to say Robert Redford. Yeah. All right. Classy yeah. guy. Yeah. Paul Newman, Robert Redford. Just share them with me. Terry Gray. Yeah. We can a couple. Yeah, I'm They're all fun. Yeah. <laughs> you can just keep yeah. going here. George Clooney. Yeah. 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 There's some amazing, amazing actors out there. And yeah. that has well, been two minutes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. That no, has been two well, minutes. I was just going to say. Oh, uh, yeah. Go ahead. My two. It's hard to keep me to two minutes on on anything. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, how are you ringing in the new year? Um, we're sponsoring a uh, New Year's celebration at our local modern um, museum of art, so the Boulder Museum of Contemporary Art, and I'm actually the MC and host at that elegant, fun, festive celebration. Yeah. So you're staying in bed today and tomorrow until yeah, you get ready for the party. Yeah. Yeah, my laptop actually just sort of blew up, so I'm uh, going to go to the Apple Store, but, yeah. All right. Any yeah. resolutions for 2011? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I guess um, just to kind of continue to keep my work focus on being of benefit, um, not get too distracted by anything else, and... Um, and then, you know, try and become a better a better boyfriend. I'm pretty bad at that, frankly. Um, so, yeah, and maybe to continue to practice and meditate and all that more. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, we wish you all the best in uh, the coming year. I know we will, I'll be in touch with you, and I hope um, Elephant Journal continues to take off. And that we're, I'm, I'm looking forward to the Walk the Talk show with Waylon Lewis uh, starting up again in February. Yeah, well, thank you. It's been an honor, and it's been a pleasure. And I'm sorry my phone cut out, and I've been sick and all that. But it's been fun. Well, I'm really glad that you could join us today. Thank you so much. Hey, thank you, Donna, and keep up your great work. Thanks. This has been Reflections 2010 with Waylon Lewis. We apologize for the technical difficulties, but like I said, you've got a live show. you just got to roll with the punches. Um, be sure to check out Elephant Journal. Um, also find all kinds of information on yoga for kids and teens on my website, yogainmyschool.com. We have fantastic interviews coming up, which I talked about earlier. And we'd like to send a huge thank you to all of our guests. Um, every one of them that has joined us for this Reflections 2010. And we are making a short list already for uh, 2011. So 
like I said, if you'd like to see a particular uh, leader in the field of yoga and mindfulness, be sure to uh, leave some some hints in the comments, and we'll see if we can track people down for you. I wish you all the best in the coming year and with your personal life, with your professional life. Um, may, may joy and light and love come into every aspect of your life, and may you continue on the path that will bring you happiness. Namaste.